to give back to everyone and let people um, have an opportunity to learn from real experts in the industry. And what we've brought here tonight and what we're doing on a monthly basis is bringing someone who, uh, two people who have gone in the same um, choice of what their careers are going to be. These two have, have chosen the social field but they've gone about it in really different ways. So we've got Leandra here who Hello. has <laughs> made this great name of herself um, doing her own thing with millions, I can say that, millions of people who've followed her around the world. And then we've got Hannah here who's Hi. been on this same uh, social path but has gone about her journey in a totally different way and has been working with brands and and magazines and and communicating someone else's voice I guess is a yeah. way to say it so what I thought would really be cool tonight is for you guys to hear about how these people um, made their way how different paths you guys took and what's always interesting is at the end of all this we always figure out that even if two people took totally different paths to get to where they're going, that there always tend to be these real commonalities to what made you guys um, successful and what helped you get to where you are today. So, starting here with Leandra, um, just so that you guys all know, Leandra and I go back almost 10 years. We sure do. Yes, and Leandra was this, um, crazy crazy person who was living in her dorm room and that wasn't a dorm it's my parents apartment <laughs> yeah well okay <laughs> sounds so much cooler if you're in a dorm but anyways she lived in this fabulous apartment on the upper east side and um and she would come down to the store and she just had this crazy bubbly personality and she was I couldn't figure out like what you were. Like, were you a writer? Were you this like crazy person who tried on clothes and took photographs and? Um, so an influencer then? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, what was that like? What were those first nuggets that you kind of glommed onto that got you started in your way and helped you figure out what you like? Did you know what you? We're doing back then? Did you have some master plan that I didn't no, know about? No, not at all. I, I think that part of the reason my late 20s were so challenging were because um, the stakes were already so high because it felt like more people than just myself were watching my trajectory and more people depended on my success because I employed 20 people. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted and who I was and whether or not I was doing the right thing. And I, I, 
at the same time, I, I was sort of like benevolently running a business, or it felt like I was doing it benevolently, because I hadn't come to in the way of actually recognizing that I was doing what I was meant to do. But when I started Man Repeller, I was a junior in college, living in my parents' dorm room on the Upper East Side. <laughs> and I started the blog because I looked around one of my nonfiction writing classes one day and thought to myself that everyone in the room was like a really, really solid writer. Like they were much better writers than I was, and we were probably all going to be going after the same jobs the following year or two years later. And I guess I had enough foresight or enough um, an, enough like intuition, enough enough speakable intuition or aware enough intuition to, to recognize that the difference between someone who succeeds at getting a job and someone who actually gets the job is like the hustle. Mm -hmm. So I started this blog thinking that it would be this um, really nice supplementary portfolio of my interests outside of school. Yeah. You know, I, and when you started your blog, like. It was really just a handful, like people were still even trying to figure out what a blog was. Yeah. I was, I had been interning at a, like a fashion, an editorial fashion startup the summer before, and that's when I became exposed to the world of blogs. Mm -hmm. There were like four or five of them, right? There was Sea of Shoes, and there was Fashion Toast, and there was Brian Boy, and I don't know if, this is to know, to throw absolutely no shade at anyone, but I don't know if you've ever had the feeling where you're like, that person is really good at what they do, but I'm pretty sure that I can do it better. Right. And I right. remember feeling that, like, like in, in, in like a fiery way, mm -hmm. you know, where I was like, I, I like what they're giving me and I'm gleaning a lot of inspiration and I want to come back and I want to keep coming back and I want to do that too and I think I can do it differently. Yeah. I shouldn't say better, it's differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I went to school for writing and, and I was um, I, I was really curious about exploring that interest and I hope nobody minds that I'm sitting like this. I feel very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Take a nap, um, that's cool. But so... And, and then on top of that, I was also acutely aware of and still am aware of how differently I view fashion and how much I value it in the context of like, my personal life and the state of my, I suppose, mental health, mm -hmm. for lack of a better buzzword. So, um, so when you were doing it, you were thinking about like, what are the attributes that you're bringing to it? How are you positioning yourself? How to, like, you were building this whole persona. I was... I was being honest. Yeah. I, I was just trying to be me. But you, Hannah, so when, when you started out, there were, things were a little more carved out by then, right? Like you could, you could actually say, I'm going to like choose this as a career and were, were things more like set up then? And yeah, I mean, social media wasn't what it is uh, back then when I was getting into the industry that it is today. Um, I, I mean, my, my path started out, um, I actually didn't know I really wanted to go into fashion. Um, I was an art history major, and instead of studying abroad my junior year, um, I was like, I really want to explore New York and see what it's all about. Um, I do have this interest in fashion, and I really did not know anything about the industry besides fashion magazines. Um, so I just um, reached out to Marie Claire, a handful of magazines, um, emailed the fashion assistant. Uh, I just like guessed her email, and uh, I got a response saying that you know we would love to accept you into our intern program. 
Um, and so I started off in editorial, um, and social media really wasn't, blogs, blogs were a thing, um, but like Marie, Marie Claire um, on Instagram wasn't a thing. Um, but I, the first day in the fashion closet, it was just pure chaos, and I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, and I just kind of thrived off, off the, the hustle and the fast-paced um, part of the industry. Um, and then from there, I interned at Teen Vogue, and I met my mentor, um, who, Shiana Torini. She's amazing. She's my fashion mom. Um, and she kind of brought me along to a few other jobs, um, and that's kind of where I got my, my start. So you were always having to think, though, about a client's point of view. Like, everything that you were creating creatively had to really represent the viewpoint of the client, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and in editorial, the advertisers, too, and mm -hmm. uh, make sure you, you know, you're including uh, advertisers. So. And then you, and every day, like, you are your client. But I guess everyone that you hire, like how, how much flexibility at, at Man Repeller does everyone have to kind of be their own voice or how do you? Well, in the way of how the editorial process is structured, uh, the two guiding principles of whether or not a story is worthy of being published are the, uh, are the initial two questions that I encourage my team to ask are, what's on your mind right now, and how would you want to read it? Mm -hmm. And how would you want to read it is a little bit challenging to answer for a lot of people. So often I, I turn that into, if you were you know, sending an email to one of your closest friends about something that is like, you know, deeply important to you, whether it's insert political snafu here, right. or insert debate over whether Friends is better than Seinfeld, mm -hmm. Like, how would you how would you relay that? How would you articulate that? So, I mean, I guess knowingly or unknowingly, everything you're doing is around this kind of raw authenticity, and so then that's part of your whole persona that you're putting forth. So, was that a calculated thing when you were like when you were just starting out? Were you like, I'm going to have this really raw site where I just no, I think that I, I can say it now and I can package it now and say that, you know, uh, deeply embedded into the ethos of Man Repeller is this sense that people who come to the site or, or come to engage with any number of the platforms that we distribute on should leave feeling fuller than when they came. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not about making you feel better or be better or act better. It's just about making you feel like you is enough, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I wouldn't have been able to articulate that in the beginning, but I feel like I spent a lot of time dancing around this notion of, well, I'm just, I'm building what I wished was out there. I, I'm right. building what I wanted. And what I wanted was to find my anchor, like my inner anchor. Right. I wanted to know who I was. And, and all the pieces were there, and I could have known I, if I had like been guided or, or, or been able to dig a little deeper, mm -hmm. but my, my process to, to find those pieces was really different. It mm -hmm. wasn't about like, going to a shaman. Right. Is it, is it a shaman? Is that what it's called? It, just, it sounds kind of like a, a, a shaman. place where you would chant. <laughs> well, it, just, it, wasn't about, yeah. it wasn't about therapy or any of those things, right. even though I'm a big proponent of therapy. It was really about 
analyzing what I, what I was doing, what I was thinking when I put clothing on my person, you know? Like who I wanted to be and how that was changing and why it was changing and when it was changing and, and like what made me feel better when it did make me feel better and mm -hmm. what made me feel bad when I felt bad. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to express and document all of that, mm -hmm. but I didn't know why. So what do you think, I mean, like one of the things I get DM'd all the time from people is um, this kind of fear of making a mistake along the way. And like, I think I'm just having two boys myself, like you're so taught in school now, like, I mean, my kid got busted for drinking and they were just like, this will ruin your whole life. And, and all these people were sitting around telling him that his whole life would be ruined. And the whole time my husband were like, weren't you guys all drinking at this age? Like, <laughs> Did this not ruin our lives? And, um, and so I think people have this incredible fear of like a misstep could like derail you. So when you were starting Man Repeller, like were you afraid that like you were gonna just really fuck up or something and that like it would all be gone tomorrow or? Well, so the funny thing about the kind of advice that your son is getting and that I was really aware of when I was young is like it's, that kind of advice tries to be advice at scale. And anything at massive scale doesn't work because it's not one size fits all. So the intention is good, right? The teachers are like, don't become an alcoholic because it will ruin your life, which is true. But like, having a drink when you're 16 years old because you're curious is not. And you're not driving, by the way, just to like put that <laughs> right. out there. You're, just, you're, so, you're assuming yes. a lot about the motivation to have the drink. Right. That's unfair. Right. And so the advice that is given back to you, which is shame on you, doesn't really fit. Right. And I was aware of that when I was younger, so maybe my relationship with mistakes is really different, right? right. Where. Well, and so you had your own thing, and so like maybe you could even turn a mistake into like, ah, oh, look at this funny, amazing story around this mistake. But you. You're like going into bosses who might not have been like, oh, Hannah, <laughs> that's right. amazing, this mistake. Like, so did you, like, are you, do you find yourself like hesitant at all sometimes in putting things out there or trying things just because, you know, it's not exactly your voice, you're representing someone else? Yeah, um, I mean, there are some things that, you know, I, I wanna try to experiment on Tibby's platform, but at least, I'm really grateful to be surrounded by a really good team mm -hmm. who I can ask for advice. Um, you don't have to say that because <laughs> she's like, and my boss is right over there. And um, so. No, no, but, but it's true. Like, I always get, give feedback. Um, we have a very open office, so, you know, I ask Emeka, you know, I asked him today if I can post, like, a video uh, that's coming tomorrow, so just stay tuned. Um, but well, what would have happened if you posted it and, and, and then afterward the feedback was, no, you can't post that? Um, I mean, I would have maybe, have maybe deleted it, but I also think, <laughs> thank God we can delete on social really media. Really quickly and blame someone else. Like, I don't know what um, she And learn did. from it, too. Yeah. Like, actually, my first day at Tibi, I posted um, the, the very first post. Um, it didn't really go well with Amy, and so what you know, was it? <laughs> I learned why. Um, it was it was just a it was a beautiful picture, but I think it would. <laughs> she posted this cheese ass picture, and I remember I was with Mecca, and I was like, what? and I texted it to Mecca, and I was like, uh oh, and then. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> before I could even be like, Mecca, you got to do something. Like, I'm looking at my Instagram, and it's like, bling, 
Like it just, <laughs> it like literally just disappeared. And then so from that day like, on, I realized what Amy wanted. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, mistakes do happen. I've also had a handful of spelling mistakes, um, which is pretty embarrassing considering spell check is on your phone. Um, but it usually just happens when I copy and paste. Um, so like I've learned and I did, I think it was my third spelling mistake that our president of the company pointed out to me. And I just promised to myself, Hannah, no more spelling mistakes. Well, and she did go to Harvard. Wood, I, so. haven't, I haven't made one since. So. Um, I she's Harvard smarty pants. <laughs> you know. No one else caught it. Yeah. So. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about is um, a lot of times when again, like DMs and questions that have been coming at me have been people writing and saying, okay, you know, I really want to get into social media, but um, I can't find a job in it right now, so I'm just going to do this other thing, and I'll just, like, write that time off. Like, that's cool. I'll just, like, you know, just, I can get through anything, and I'll just write it off. And I'm a huge believer that, like, there are no write-offs. There's an opportunity to learn from everything that you're doing you should never at any age especially like if you're in your 20s you can't write off two years that's 10 percent of your life so you know everything should be contributing in some way and are there like weird things in your life that you did like leandra that like are there moments where you like look back and you're like i really learned a lot from this and i mean my i can't believe that yeah, it is 10% of your life. <laughs> Whoa. That's a big number. So I'm like 30% through then. <laughs> Whoa. Are there like... <laughs> are there things that just like really like, you know, that you look back and, you know, it's like one quick thing about me when I got my job at Ogilvy and Mather and I asked the HR person, like, why did you hire me? I was not the one with the best grades or the best school or anything at the time. And she said it had been because I'd been working since age 11. And I, you know, I was thinking back and I was like, you know what, like all the, the babysitting jobs and the working at the drugstore and bagging groceries at Kroger in Athens, Georgia and all that stuff, like it contributed in some ways to it, it all, you know, that's what you are as a person, your composition of everything that you've done. So were there random things that at the time you're like, why the hell am I having to do this that now you like draw from when you are doing what you do today? Um, the only time in my life that I was ever like, why the hell am I doing this was when I was an intern at Valentino and was tasked with uh, sharpening something like 600 pencils for a fashion show that was get, like a pret-a-porter fashion show that was going to be taking place in Beverly Hills. So officially you did not learn anything And, and they from kept that. kicking me out of different rooms and were like, you're doing that really loudly in here. <laughs> and, and they were blaming me as if I was like, please, can I sharpen all these pencils? This is, oh, this is, that's this like is God's work. That's like the interns that paper cutter. That I would and like to just contribute like, to. Out. And they just kept pushing me around and then I was in the fashion closet and I guess I was sharpening on the floor under some couture gowns and the PR director came in and she was like look 42 and I was like there have you heard of a pen like why am I sharpening pencils anyway um, I didn't learn it. I don't know that I learned anything. For, well, I know that's you not true. how to we, treat people. No, I'm, I'm being like, facetious. but did that filter over in how you treat people in your office? Or? Uh, probably. Yes. I, I've never thought about it, but also because you had no sharpened pencils. No, when but I was also in there, there, there is no, there's no task too small. Nobody's too good for anything. Right. Like mm. 
I've definitely, I mean, I've done the equivalent of sharpened 600 pencils in the context of man repeller, yeah. and that was when my team was one person, and that is still now when my team is 20 people, which is, you know, still relatively small, but yeah. I'm like, you know, you came for an event, and I did setup, right? Yeah. Like, I put all the chairs out, and then everybody left, and I folded them up, and, you know, so saw that's them like out. such a big reality, right? I mean, that's, I think people are, I had someone, someone emailed me the other day and I was like, oh shit, I forgot about this and I'll, you know, I'll, uh, I'll like try and do it. And they were like, listen, if you just give me your assistant's name, then I'm sure it won't happen again. And I was like, okay, she doesn't exist or he doesn't yeah. exist. That's not a real thing. It's not a real thing. It's not a real thing. <laughs> Devil Wars Prada, not a real thing. Maybe it was. Maybe it was back then. You hear about those Condé Nast people and their cars and and everything. So maybe it was a thing. I mean, in, ed in editorial, like I I was working at Cosmo and our editor in chief, we had a few shoots and she came in and she was packing trunks and, you know, it is no task is too small. Mm -hmm. um, and you're you're always going to be doing some kind of gr grunt work. Uh, no matter what. Yeah, and that's okay. And it, it sort of makes the, the fun work a little more fun. And the really like heart-filling work, the stuff that makes you like leave the office or your house feeling like this is literally why I'm alive, <laughs> it makes you feel that even more. It makes it more palpable. Mm -hmm. and, and we're also always growing, right? This is like this, the, all of these percentages of our decades are, so, they're the sum of, uh-huh. So you are always growing. So like when you, if you look back to when you were literally laying on this, I think it was the same couch, a really well-made couch, and this was here 10 years ago when Leandra was laying on it. Um, like was this what you're doing today remotely in your brain at all, that this is where you would end up, like with Man Repeller and something you know, millions of followers and um, blah, blah. Kind of. I always, I always saw myself running a company. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I don't think I realized, I, I always saw myself running some, like something creative, mm -hmm. you know, just like running it. I didn't know what that meant and what it was and, and I didn't know what it entailed and I th think for a long time as I was doing it, I was like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. This yeah. is so scary. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm out. But then I, I, was, I was never out, you know? Yep. Something, it's mine. I, I could have stopped, mm -hmm. and I never did. And, and I, I think it took, um, I don't know, reaching my, my 30s. That sounds so platitudinous, but maybe just coming into recognizing. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask my Harvard Like a president. cliche. Yeah. <laughs> but, but maybe it took recognizing you know, really finally coming into myself and like figuring, learning where my inner anchor is. Mm -hmm. um, for some yeah, because when I, I know when I started Tibby and people always say like, did you think that you would be here? And I always answer, I did think that I would be here, but then between year number two and year 20, I was like, how the fuck did I think I was gonna be here? Yeah, like, yeah. that was just, being delusional in the beginning, you know. Well, you, you have to be a little bit delusional in the beginning, I think. Yeah, if you you're, do. If you're aware of what it's going, if you're aware, if you are like so acutely aware of what the day to day is going to look like, you have to be crazy to still move forward with it. Yeah. 
So did you? Well, I didn't expect myself to end up here. <laughs> um, no, I social was de- is uh, definitely. You know, if you asked me two years ago if I was going to be the social social media manager at Tibby, I would have never guessed it. Um, I mean, because my, you like hated Tibby, or <laughs> no, no. Oh my God, I love. It. Come on, no, it's uh, no social and 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 social itself. Um, my background is more editorial, and then I worked at Barney's, um, so more in the retail side and fashion buying. Um, and then after leaving Barney's. Um, you know, I really thought, like, what do I want to explore? Like, it really, it really forced me to question myself in my career path, and what did I want to continue learning, and what asset or facet of the industry, you know, can I delve into now? Um, so that's when I really wanted to focus on digital and social media, um, and so I freelanced for about a year. Um, really exploring different territories. Um, I was working more on like the personal brand side. Um, with Joanna Coles, uh, she she was the editor in chief at Cosmo when I was there, and we reconnected. and um, And then I also worked at an agency, and they gave me a client. Um, she was a doctor, and she specialized in horm- hormone therapy. Um, and I knew nothing about that industry um, and wellness and hormones, so I had to speed read seven of her books and grab content. Um, and that was kind of my first uh, experiment into social media. So, so I'm sure that like that segue at Barney's and all of that, like you know, with the exception of that first really terrible post, but like <laughs> everything else, like it probably kind of formed. I mean, I think that if you came right out and you're like, "Hey, I'm just a social media person," like that would have meant nothing without all the other experience that you've had. Yeah, I mean, all. To this day, like I, I take you know all the experience that I have, and it really you're kind of like merchandising a storefront on social media, at least for a brand, um, and you're defining their voice, um, and so grabbing. It's really not a small job. <laughs> no, I was actually at a kind of a conference, and the the director of uh, Michael Kors, she she oversees all of social she was saying that they have 40 people on their team well Um, no but that's what i'm saying is it 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 used to be that social media managers were like college interns who you know used that instagram thing but it's actually the eyes and ears of most brands in like a a pretty substantial and significant way it really is and i think that um and it's also though one of the other questions that i get a lot and before i did this tonight i i did you know kind of on my stories, I asked people what were they really um, interested in hearing about tonight. And one of the things that was brought up was, you know, how um, how saturated is the market for mm-hmm. influencers and for social media and um, social media jobs. And, you know, one of the things that I always think about is, you know, what would this uh, event look like tonight if it was 1999 and if we were all engaged in selling videos what if we were all like had little blockbuster video stores like what if we all had video stores and what if someone was like i'm dying to open a video store but i feel like it's really saturated how can i get into videos and i could see that like everyone be like i don't know like how can we build a better video (laughs) and then you know in the back is like mr netflix who's like maybe it's not a video at all like maybe (laughs) i'm gonna go and start something totally new so, you know, sometimes when you feel like everything's kind of hit 
that wall, when you feel like everything's saturated, something new usually does open up. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think is new on the horizon? Leandra. Hmm. You're talking about 1999, and I'm like, so we're all wearing <laughs> Isaac Mizrahi, right? Um, what do I think is new on the horizon? Or I guess like if you, if you were trying to break in today, where do you think the little cracks are? What are the openings? Yeah, I mean, I think about this often, and, and my ideal answer would be that if I were trying to break in today, I wouldn't do anything differently because I'm like boots on the ground, listening acutely enough to know what people are responding to, but that's an ideal answer. It's not necessarily the truth, right? Because once you're, once you're so caught up in your day-to-day, -day, and this happens to everyone, I mean, that, that's what the grind is, right? That's like the, the day-in, day-outness. It's really hard to continue to, to listen to what's out there. But if, if I were really trying to build something brand new today, and this is actually advice that I should take for myself, I, I would take a minute to, to really tune in to what was happening and to see what is resonating and to respond to what is resonating and to recognize whether or not there's a broader opportunity there. But So when you, when you started, uh -huh. you know, it was just like these fashion editors, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were kind of ruling the roost. Um, and, and so then you started out with this, you know, this incredible writing, You're, you know, if you, I'm sure you guys all read Leander, and that's why you're here. But like your writing is so witty and thoughtful and engaging. And um, thank you. Do you think that there's a way to start doing what you're doing right now with just some good talent, or is there so much of that out there right now that that kind of path is a little? It's got to be more difficult right now, right? I mean, you were. You were, you know, you were kind of like, you know, you got Steve Jobs and all those guys, like the yeah. original five that started out that was like, you know, the mold breakers. You were kind of a mold breaker well, at the time. Well, if I was trying to build a byline, if I was entering the market as a writer, then I'd probably go to a place like, frankly, Man Repeller or Bon Appetit, where I saw a real opportunity to start building my own personal profile, mm -hmm. to, to not to like haphazardly turn myself into a brand mm -hmm. um, and to continue to explore and flesh out my voice because there aren't very many platforms out there that will actually allow you to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some real value in, in offering a young writer the ability to like figure out what their beat sounds like and to throw it out and see if it sticks. because. Mm -hmm. We are very much, and this is, this is sort of a dated, it feels redundant to say, but we're living in the era of the person as the publisher, right? Right. But if you're looking for some experience on the ground so that you can manifest as a, a person publisher, then you, you got to go to a place that nurtures people, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm sorry, what are the places that would do that? Like, wh where would you tell someone to go? The only two that I can think of are Man Repeller and Bon Appetit. Yeah. Do you have to like know how to cook? <laughs> no, I. <laughs> or just no. like really enjoy food. No, kind of neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least be able to talk about it. No. What and about I, you in your world? What? Yeah, I What think guidance would you give? You know. Um, the more saturated the market, the I think it, it calls for a healthy competition and it forces people to be different and really define your voice. And I think, you know, like 
you have to find your your um, your attitude. Um, you know, Amy, like you you have your your kind of theme, um, and it's it's very consistent. And I think like also consistency is is a um, you know can really diversify you. Um, and just tapping into new trends, like whether it's long form captions, um, you know, that n no one's really doing, or maybe even, you know, if you're a brand tagging. Wait, is what I'm doing long form captions? <laughs> yeah. Is that what that's, that's true. Is that yeah. what that's called officially? Yeah. You're writing features. <laughs> what would you do differently? With, uh, with what I'm doing? Yeah, like if you were starting today, how, I mean, this is such a saturated market too, right? Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think about that, but I think that there's nothing that I could do differently because, um, and Rachel and I were talking about this yesterday. I think that, um, I didn't feel comfortable writing, I guess now these long form <laughs> captions. Um, I didn't feel comfortable writing them until that I would actually write them without knowing that I was writing them. And, and and writing them without permission. And I think for me, kind of hitting that year of having been in business for 20 years, and it kind of gave me the confidence to be like, okay, I guess I have something to say. And, um, and you know, Instagram and stories is really cool because- It's funny um, that you needed to be convinced of that, given that you've been making clothing for 20 years. I know, I know, I know. What the, what's up with that, I know. It's crazy. It's kind of crazy, but um, but I think what's cool on Instagram is that you get this feedback right away, and and so I started realizing what people were hungry for, and and then what they were hungry for was actually what I wanted to give them, and I think my impression of Instagram to begin with was like, I need to be able to photograph a really good piece of avocado toast. Um, or, you know, have like some super witty, like, I don't know, something like yeah, that, that's like a witty throwaway thing, you know? And, um, and I didn't feel comfortable with either of those because um, I'm really bad with food. And well, you're um, eating plant-based now, so. I'm eating plant-based, but I promise you all, I will never photograph any of my plant-based food. <laughs> I promise. But I, I think that, um, and I think that's what we were struggling with with Tibby with social was I never wanted to have just like throwaway stuff. You know, I wanted it to mean something to someone and I didn't know, I didn't know what that was. Like it took me 22 years to figure that out. So that's crazy. So what does it mean now? Uh, it means um, learning something. I mean, for me, if you learn something, you should always be learning um, something about how style makes you uh, feel like a better you. And you should also be learning, some, you know, I've got good business experience behind me, so you should be learning something that will help you with your career or, um, you know, with business in general. And, and it's so cool, you know, I got an email, I mean a DM the other day from a woman who was like from India and she's 55 and she's gonna start her own company now. And, um, and so it's really exciting that it's inspiring to people. And, and people write me and they're doctors and lawyers and things like that. They're not all in the fashion industry. And so that's really cool. And um, so I'm really enjoying doing that. I'm really behind on my designs because 
I really enjoy doing this now, and it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for you guys, with the exception of that one post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll never bless you. Heaven, it'll kidding. never leave me. <laughs> I thought so it was bad. deleted, but it wasn't. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I think that you know people are very concerned about um, about their careers and what will make them happy and being fulfilled and uh, and I think you were you were asking me this in the most polite way you know Leander was asking me like what is it like to um, you know be old and <laughs> I have no recollection of asking you that <laughs> you asked me in the nicest way you're like you know do you feel wiser do you feel you something along those you are projecting <laughs> an insecurity onto a question that I asked you um, but I do think that I've have the um, having some years under my belt. I feel like I can help people through some of these anxieties and through this idea of um, finding your way and how all the things that you do along the way until you find yourself, how they all do add up to to helping you get to where you want to be and. Um, and being happy with who you are and, and where you are. And that's, you know, and I think finding jobs is really scary to a lot of people. And, um, and then especially when it's a glamorous industry like you guys are in. Do you feel glamorous in your industry? <laughs> I mean, it, there are rewarding parts, and then there are, you know, the nitty-gritty day-to-day um, parts, and you're schlepping bags in the rain, or uh, your shoe breaks on the subway, or bouncing from appointment to appointment. But then when you, you know, um, an event like a fashion show, um, it's just the most beautiful thing, and, and it makes every moment just that much more But if I told you tomorrow that you could hire two people to help you out, mm -hmm. what would you... Like, what are the requirements in those people that you'd be looking for? Yeah, definitely creativity. Um, graphic design is huge, too. Um, I'm finding that I really need to learn how to edit video content, because that's something that we really want to focus on as a brand um, and really explore um, and, and tap into IGTV more and um, just, you know, um, really deliver more, more live content. Um, so that's... I think that's, you know, those are the priority qualities that I would be looking for right now. Yeah, because um, I think one of the things that's tough, especially in these newer industries, is, you know, really, like, someone could come in with a resume, and in six months, that whole resume could be outdated with, yeah. you know, someone could come in and be like, I'm an expert at, you know, Tumblr and Facebook, and, and you know, then, like, you'd be like, oh, hi, <laughs> you know, that's not interesting anymore. And, um, I mean, but it might be, I don't... I don't know what's interesting or not. But um, that must be because you're wise <laughs> beyond my years. Um, but I think that, you know, there must be then, like, if there's like real things, like how to edit, edit videos and, you know, playing around on TikTok and all the new, like, interesting things out there. What are, though, the core things? Because the TikToks will go away and the Pinterest will go, like, they'll all keep moving on. But what are the core things that someone needs to have that's hard to even write out on a resume, but, like, what are those core things that you would want? I mean, I love a hustler. Um, 
you know, I when I interned, I it was before all those lawsuits, and um, I would be at the office till 10 p.m., 11 p.m., um, and then you know, all things kind of changed, and now interns are really nine to five, two days a week. Uh, you ha school credit is mandatory, or they're paid, um, which I, I kind of think has has made um, I don't know it, it it kind of the grind isn't there anymore, um, and I also think you you lose a lot with leaving the office at 5 p.m. when your boss is still there till 7 p.m. and you don't really you know you kind of leave leave out uh, and miss steps. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, in, I'm sure you see this as a company owner as well. Like, that's a really tough, it's a really tough thing because people legally have to leave then. And, you know, we're in an industry where you kind of show your work, your, your worth by your work ethic and by how hard you are willing to, like, just, like, one, you know, an all-nighter for the team or something, and, you know, no one here is writing equations for NASA or anything. No one's like, you know, no one's ever like, that equation is so much better than that equation. It really is like, oh, she's a hustler and, and she's not, but if they're all leaving at five, it's like, hmm. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell who's yeah. hustling. Yeah. That sucks. Agreed. But that, that requires, that then requires a level of intellect uh, or like a, a level of presentation of intellect that is really important right like if you're hiring for a social media team the first thing i look out for is the ability to literally identify what is happening in the zeitgeist and and you know tumble dry it into a nutshell that is charming and witty and thoughtful and slightly self-deprecating so how do they present that to you like because i'm just thinking like in my office if people were like hey do you have a minute i'm going to show you something that's super witty and self-deprecating, I'd be like, okay, please, come on. Like, how do they get it? Do you make sure to give people an audience and? It's, it's a conversation, right? Like what are three things? Well, it's also a lot easier because there is uh, data that, in that way writing is still, writing for the internet is still a meritocracy because you know co content performs or it doesn't. But I'm speaking specifically in the context of a social media role, right? Where that, that person just needs to do the tumble dry thing, yeah. and and that present that shows itself really quickly. Yeah. Um, Whether or not there's something like behind the eyes. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. when you're interviewing, I, when you're interviewing someone, you can usually get a sense by asking them like what's on their mind, mm -hmm. and and how they feel about it, mm -hmm. and whether or not. Do people freeze up when you ask them that, or? Sometimes. Yeah. What would you tell them to unfreeze? How would you get them to? Do, like. Don't worry, I'm not gonna make a decision about who you are based on your answering this question. Right, but, but I you really don't are. Say that. No, yeah, I don't even say that. I usually just ask what's on their mind. Yeah. I would hope that, that uh, when I'm interviewing someone, when we're in conversation together, the, the setting is comfortable enough that they don't feel like, you know, they're clenching their butt cheeks too much, <laughs> you know? But you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, I, it's, yeah. yes, the butt cheek clenching. Um, so what's, what's new? Like, what are the new forms of communication that you're most interested in right now? Have you heard of the landline? <laughs> like, literally it's what I grew up with because I'm old. <laughs> yes. Is that more interesting, like talking? No, it was a bad joke. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> But this is kind of like a landline. 
The microphones? No, but like there are real people here. <laughs> yeah, this is better than a landline. Right, so, but it's, but this is kind of, I mean, it's, it's weird that this is a new medium is actually like, yeah, talking to people <laughs> who are humans. Yes? Well, actually, that makes sense because every time we host a check your phones in at the door event at Man Repeller, the attendance is way higher. Yeah. You're blowing my mind. Well, <laughs> You're hired. I thought I was just out when I got there, like, I only heard about from four people, and I knew, like, so many people there. Uh, well, okay, so. Anyway, you guys hear about around the world. So if we're all, like, collectively deciding to shut down, then. <laughs> do you have jobs? <laughs> do you? Shoot. Yes. Yeah. I still have a job. Yeah. But it is, no, but I would say this whole real conversation thing is much more interesting now. And then I'm really creepy on TikTok. <laughs> like, I can lay in bed and then I'll check and I'm like, holy shit, it's two in the morning and I've just been watching these random videos. videos. Yeah. Like, does that <laughs> creep you out? It. Is that weird? I know I want to, but I'm not comfortable with video. Oh. Mm. Yeah, but you weren't comfort comfortable writing long form, so maybe you just need to experiment with it. No, Maybe you just I need don't. to find your voice. <laughs> yeah. No, there are no... No, I'm like... Um, maybe it's just you and your shoes, or I don't know. Oh, I could do that. I could do shoes. <laughs> so nothing else is new that you're trying out there. Well, it's interesting that DM is kind of the new email, and you did catch yourself yeah. like email. No, I mean DM, and yeah. it is kind of like a, the new form of email. Yeah. Um, and conversations have just gotten more casual, and you know, instead of emailing someone for a job, you know, they slide into their DM, and hey, can I can I, I get your email? I wrote a story about this. I'm not a fan. It's like, the it's, yeah, the separation of yeah. church and state needs to exist. <laughs> but um, yes, that is true. But I mean, it's, Amy, people DM you all the time and about, about quality questions and customer service. And oh my God, please. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, and I'm just going to say for the record, if you have a buttonhole on a leather pan, it might have some... <laughs> Should we open the Should floor I? to questions? <laughs> yes. Yes, because like this one little can here at my age. So. Okay. Do we have any questions for these guys? Yes. We don't really have a very robust intern program. In the history of Man Repeller, we've probably had about 
five or six at, at various junctures, and I've never been the hiring manager on those accounts. So it, what I look for fundamentally is just that person's ability to support the team they're going to be working on. And curiosity too. I think um, when you're intern, you when you're interning, you should kind of be interested in every department, whether it's marketing, social, design. Um, you know, this is your time to really get the, your foot in the door and learn different things. And you know, if it is your first internship, like I was lucky enough where I fell into editorial and loved it. But you know, what if I hated the first day and I had to commit myself for the next six months? You know, maybe I would have gone looked into the advertising side or uh, future side or I don't know um, but it is your like just grab that opportunity and really really embrace the company that you're working for oh that's really good advice because if you're also working in a department and realize that you don't like it it's pr it's pretty important to acknowledge where your interest is you know like like where you're poking your head in to see uh, to determine what what you're uh, curious about meaning if you're a fashion intern and you're like but like what are those marketing people doing over there there's something there, you know? Yeah, how does a new brand get your attention nowadays? Like, I'm sure you get bombarded, right, from yeah, but samples it, being sent to you and everything. How does someone get in front of you? I think it's like it is a, a tale as old as time, good product, you know? If, if the actual product catches my interest and feels very um, true to my personal taste but also interesting and intelligent enough to like have a comment about in the context of editorial that's pretty much it but but you're almost so you're almost like um you know when i started tibby and you had to get in front of stores and get their attention you know you kind of had to package things a certain way to get the attention and so now it's like maybe a new designer is trying to get your attention in a certain way like right so like instagram in is not the place to do that mm -hmm. Because it, it's just, it's happening at such a rapid pace, and it's, it, it, I don't know, it's, it, is, it is like the opposite of an additive experience, right? Mm -hmm. You like log on to Instagram, and you're like, this is a lot of stuff that is technically different, but pretty much all the same, right. and, and I, 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 don't, I don't even know where to start when I'm sifting through these messages. Um, but for you as, um, I mean, very much an influencer and in what you wear and any designer would kill to get their things on you, what, like, are there, are there any other layers of things that you go through in deciding what you might wear? Or is it, I mean, it's so authentic. It's, I guess it's just yeah, you choosing what you would wear. I, I, I buy most of my clothes. True. And I... I tend not to accept gifts. And when they come and they don't suit me, I send them back. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of having stuff, mm -hmm. too much stuff. Are there other stuff hounds that you would, like other, other influence, I don't know, you can't speak for them, but are there other influencers that you would say like, okay, well, if for I did have person? a design company, I would send this to her and I would package it that's 
package well, it this way. You or. know what does work to get someone's eyes on, on a picture of your clothes is like tagging them in a picture, you know? Because <laughs> I'm definitely always looking at who's tagging me and what because it shows up. It's really hard to ignore that like red icon that pops up on your profile, you know? So that has definitely, it's been annoying at times, but it's definitely, it, it is a way to get a person to see what you're putting out there. Any other questions? Yeah. I don't get annoyed by the term. I would be reluctant to call myself one. I don't think that people of true influence call themselves influencers, <laughs> which, which I guess is beside the point also, because I was like, well, I'm a person of true influence. But I, I don't mean that either. However, I do understand that it is uh, an evolution of a term. And the initial term was blogger. And blogger stopped working because blogger is derivative of writing a weblog, that's what a blog is. And not, the majority of influencers don't write. They're not technically bloggers, right? Like the, the staff at Vulture or The Cut, like those are bloggers, they're writing for the internet, period. Um, I, so I recognize that that is the evolution and therefore I fall into that category and like by all accounts I'm absolutely considered one. Like, my personal revenue model is not so different from someone else's. I just also run a business. Um, so no, I don't get offended. I also feel that if anyone is going to be able to defend the title and the term, I'm happy for it to be me to the extent that everyone else is comfortable with that. Do you associate influencer with a bad Mm -hmm. But you mean that as a compliment when you say that? But I don't consider her. Yeah. yeah. Because I feel like you're right, it's an evolution of terms and started blogging, and then you have kind of like the, the iterations of the bloggers who are now kind of like people that are taking selfies of their Alec Marley Street stuff. I don't even, like, I don't personally love the word. I mean, no one really likes that word as much anymore. It's kind of like what blogger became. Like, it Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess people can call me whatever they want, including shithead. <laughs> cool. Well, anything else, guys? Or, yeah? Do you guys have any social media pet You know what would Stop never, it. you know what would never, <laughs> or I would be so curious to see how this panned out in person? When, when people repost happy birthday wishes in stories, like, can you just imagine if like every time someone like wrote you happy birthday, you copy and pasted their text back to them or something? It's just so funny. Like, He's reposting highly the unlikely messages. to be on Insta right now. Social media is so funny because it's so different from like social conduct in real life. <laughs> But do you there get, is a good video. Do you idea. get annoyed at like pictures that, like all the vacay pictures or pictures that are clearly 
like I mean I remember being on the beach last year and there was like this mom and she was in her bikini and she kept posing and her four-year-old daughter was like mommy please don't make me take another picture I actually put something like something to that degree in my story today where I was like whoa I just had a psychic premonition of my daughter Madeline sitting in a therapy session being like and why was she always taking pictures of herself and it's I mean I do I see these little kids or these husbands or whatever and they're just constantly <laughs> being forced to take these pictures and I'm just in like, my defense I the only fuck? take them of myself <laughs> that's why they're all in my mirror right exactly <laughs> like I, I like it that like it's your hand doing it. I don't want <laughs> but I mean but yeah social media makes me feel like shit I try to stay stay off it for self-care totally I do not feel good when I scroll through photos of other people's fabulous lives, which is not to say that I don't love my life, but I'd, like, I would like to remember, I don't need to be distracted. I do not need to be distracted. It is so easy to get distracted and compare yourself to other people. It is innate to humanity. So why would I be an active and contributing participant in compare culture? Why? Well, that's you, what I, I felt like. With you might start chasing yeah. someone else's dreams without realizing, and that is the scariest outcome I could imagine. Yeah, I would say that her her value on Instagram is that it is actually an additive experience, right? You're like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and like, I don't feel good about this, I don't feel good about this, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I found something. You know what I mean? So maybe uh, it might be that that further perpetuates the point and offers more value to someone like Amy who's who's like actually looking to engage with you. There's also there's a very big difference between sharing and showing, right? When you're sharing, you're like actively engaging and inviting someone else to participate and contribute. But when you're showing, it becomes a game of whether or not you're aware of it, my life is better than yours, right? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that sharing and showing. That's true. And I think that um and I think that's why when when I first um, started really um, working, you know, doing Instagram, and it really was like our, our president went on maternity leave, and I was like, aha, I can do what I want, and she's not going to, like, you know, correct my grammar and or my spelling. 
and um, and I think that that was the maybe people liking Tibby more was just a byproduct of it because it was just fun sharing. I felt like I had something to say, and and it's funny how many people write me and they're like, no one uses stories to tell stories. Like people use stories to tell, you know, a succession of avocado toast, but they don't actually. <laughs> you know, tell the story of like how that toast, I don't know, came to be or whatever, but it's, you know, and I think, wow, that's, that's too bad because it's a great place to do that. I mean, it's, it's actually called stories. Like they didn't call it, you know, um, photos and sequence. (laughs) (laughs) I think from the brand side, authenticity is something that brands are trying to explore even more and like really delve deep into behind the scenes. Um, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day, like, is the, is authenticity kind of just a new trend? Like, and you know, Instagram started off, like everyone was posting really colorful over filtered photos and that's what people were craving at the moment or like in front of an Instagram wall or, and now it's this whole thing of like no makeup, really authentic behind the scenes, but like what's next? You can only share so much. Um, so I, I was kind of like, pondering, you know, what what's going to be Apparently the next. word of mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hi. Um, things. <laughs> One thing is I know that uh, someone brought up a point about not having any experience um, and how you kind of get that job or that internship that, you know, you want in fashion. Um, I've been working in fashion for like 10 years. One thing that I always look for, an assistant or in, an intern, is retail experience. I think it's so important knowing how to make eye, co- eye contact, having, um, you know, with people in, um, you know, the, the new millennials, um, they're so used to looking at phones. Sometimes when I do interviews, they won't even look at me in the eye when I'm speaking to them. So I think that retail experience makes you kind of come out of your comfort zone and, like, it forces you to speak with people, to learn about, you know, your, um, you know, what retail trends are happening, what people are looking for at the shop, and it's kind of a, an amazing tool and experience to kind of take forward with any job in the fashion industry. Okay, my question is, <laughs> um, for all of you, uh, how do you feel about Instagram um, experimenting with the removal of likes? Should I go first? Yeah, sure. I, I don't really care. Um, And I don't mean that in in like a, well, I don't care kind of way, but um, I don't really care. No, sorry. Um, I am such an oversharer and I am such an extrovert that I am actually eager to see it happen because I am fairly certain that my posting cadence will remain exactly the same. But to that point, there's definitely a gamification element to likes, right? Like you can't help see how fast you're racking them up and how many you get, and particularly when you have a larger social following. So I think if nothing else, it will help me check the app less, because I find that on on the, the days that I'm not posting or, or, you know, I'm not really engaging, I spend almost no time on my phone and it feels so good. But you can still see your likes. Oh, you can yeah, still see your own? I see the beta version, but I can't see 
So you'll know how well you're liked. I just won't know. Oh, then I really don't care. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, that's what. I really don't know why anyone would care if. I mean, is it a big thing to to be like, I got a thousand likes and you should know about it, or? Um, I guess maybe. Well, I mean, Grandma. Below me, like, really is like a cruel. Yeah. It follows. It's yeah. Um. It, it it's become this new. It, it's become a new popularity contest. It's high school all over, forever, never turning off. <laughs> And from a brand's perspective, it's kind of a breath of fresh, fresh air, and I'm like, oh, I kind of can't wait till the day comes. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, like, I, I think it, it is actually going to be like healthy for for your your for you as a follower and for you as a poster. It's more that you feel like we would view it as healthy versus... Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I do, I think there are other brands who are like, fuck. And also likes aren't just the, it, it's not the end-all be-all. Like it's about engagement, reach, impression, sales, revenue. Like it's it's a full circle. It's not just, oh, we got a thousand likes, like hooray or nay. I think what Hannah means is I'm not going to be at her desk being like, <laughs> why the hell did this brand get this many likes? <laughs> Because now you're going to be like, Amy doesn't know. She has no <laughs> idea how many likes that brand got. We've, so, we've come so far from the initial uh, draw to Instagram for brands, which was a platform for discovery. Because it's, it's no longer facilitating that. But to the extent that it can continue to do that, which reportedly it will, it should, and it will still bode well for brands. Maybe they won't be able to like fan their own egos to the same degree that they were before. But fundamentally, it shouldn't really change a user's access to them, you know? One more question I've been told I have time for. We have time for. Yeah. We've been talking, <laughs> it's my friend Malcolm here. We've been talking about this in the office a lot. For me, it just comes to me. And so like literally this morning I was, sorry. <laughs> Um, no, like this morning I was walking to the train and I was like wearing these shoes and I was thinking, 
why do people have to wear shitty shoes on the way to work? And then I just started thinking then again about people just why they have to dress so bad. And, <laughs> and by bad, if you don't follow me on Insta, by bad I mean in a way that when you wear it, it does not make you feel good and it's just average. And because I live in Greenwich and I can stand around on the train all day and be like, average, 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 what? Oh, I like your shoes. Yeah, you got those shoes. Um, anyways, and so then when I got on the train, I just started putting that post together this morning and then the signals were down so I had to sit on the train for 30 minutes. So I really, like it all just kind of flows out and then it stops and you don't know when it's going to flow again. That's the thing. Like... Yes. The best invention comes from. And I, particularly in this day and age, we do not give enough credit to the value of solitude. We talk about it, but we're so wrapped up in generation multitask, which, by the way, is not a real, it's fake news. You cannot multitask. Um, oh my God. We, Frank is so big on that. Yes. <laughs> it's not real. He's like, it's not real. And no, it is solitude, it's showers, it's showers, it's exercising, yes, it's, it's like those are the. Yeah. When when you have when you are alone with your thoughts, which is often the scariest time. Yeah. Because you know that's when you remember that you're all alone and you're definitely gonna die. But <laughs> that's also that it, it's the mother. And, mother and me sooner than you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, we'll run this joke. <laughs> but you really do have to be. <laughs> but you do have to like. I have a. I mean, something's with me always to be able to write something down in some way, like including three in the morning. I had every, that really good name that came up at three in the morning <laughs> and I sent it to you. But um, yeah, it just comes in waves. I don't, I would, it would suck if I had deadlines and had to. Um, well, from a yeah, brand's perspective, it is more of a strategy rather than, you know, what comes to at the moment. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and we be. have our content buckets that we call them. Um, so it is a little bit more planned out. But in terms of the overall, like, aesthetic of, of Tibby on Instagram, you know, it's a close collaboration with our art director. Um, it's a close collaboration with Amy and marketing. Um, so... Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you.